calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Everybody, happy Mandalorian season three day. Welcome to this spoiler review of episode one of season three of the Mandalorian from the Geek Buddies. Hey! We're back, baby. We're yeah, back. We are. It's been a long wait. Certainly, we got a little bit of the fix there in Book of Boba Fett with three episodes. It felt like a Mandalorian half season, kind of like those Captain America movies. Captain America, they're like Avengers two and a half, you know, those kinds of things. Certainly got a little bit of that in Book of Boba Fett. And we are back again with this episode one to launch season three, the much anticipated season three of The Mandalorian, of course, coming on the heels 
of uh, Andor, and uh, which uh, most, uh, what would I say, a lot of people liked Andor, although now discovering more and more people are discovering that series as well. But this is the one that everyone that has become the pop culture zeitgeist for a lot of people in the Star Wars universe over the last few years. So it is back. We're going to break it all down here. This is a spoiler review. So if you haven't watched the episode, go and watch it, then come on back and hang out with us. Or if you don't care about being spoiled, then sit back, relax, have some uh, blue milk, and we'll be getting into everything uh, here in episode one of The Mandalorian of season three. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Rogan, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can see some of our current work right now on Netflix and YouTube with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Season 2, as well as Season 1. Has you ever been talked about a Barry Grogu? Are you guys, have you guys ever thought about a baby baby Strawberry Shortcake, baby Barry? Baby Barry? Is there a baby Barry, maybe? We have a baby Barry that is a little okay. m- mischievous, a la okay. Grogu, okay. Uh, who has popped Honey, up. Yeah. Honeydew Sorbet. That's the one. Oh, my. Oh, um, my. And, of course, a big shout-out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us here into 2023 through the, month of, through the month of March. We appreciate them madly. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com. Go get uh, all your health care questions, concerns, and needs addressed there virtually or in person. 100-plus locations all over the country, 80-plus locations in California alone. And they're focusing a lot more recently on mental health programs. So they've got those available for you for anybody who's struggling. Look, it's been rainy on the West Coast. You know, rain brings about some of those feelings. So if you're going through something, uh, reach on out to them or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for Carbon Health. Um, All right, uh, let's get into this review here, the apostate. And uh, let me give you the definition for those who may not know, or maybe you're showing off for your friends that you know, but you really don't. It's a person who renounces a religious or political belief or principle. That's a very interesting title for the first episode here, as we are clearly on this path of redemption for uh, Din Djarin here with the cult, well, the clan of his Mandalore people here trying to redeem himself. But apostate is someone who renounces a religious or political belief. So is this a little bit of foreshadowing of what we're going to be seeing by the end of this season? I don't know, but an interesting title for episode one. Michael, your overall thoughts on this episode? We got so much here with uh, um, Din Djarin going and and, uh, saving the clan here. Also heading over to Navarro to talk to Grief Karga. We get some information about what's happened to a couple of our old friends there in the last uh, two seasons of The Mandalorian. And then he heads off to see Bo-Katan. And of course, we're going to break down everything that happens in between. But what do you think overall of this episode here to start off season three? Guys, feels great. <laughs> feels great to be here. I Look, I love Andor. Anybody who watched our Andor reviews knows that I loved Andor. I loved a deeper dive into the politics and sort of grown-up Star Wars. But Mandalorian is straight down the line Star Wars. Yeah. This is Star Wars, guys. You got... You got all of, like, you got giant space aliens, you've got pirates, you've got battles through an asteroid field, you've got travel to multiple planets, you've got hyperspace, like, you've got Jedi powers, like, this is everything you want. Um, Space whales, Mikey, space whales. Don't, we'll get to the space whales. (laughs) I, when I, when I tell you that I screamed at those space whales, I... Guys, those things are important. We'll get to it. Um, But no, I just think that this, it just, it feels great. And if you are 
a Clone Wars fan, a Star Wars oh, Rebels wow. fan. Um, this is just everything you loved in animation brought to life in live action. Like it is fascinating to me how Filoni through Clone Wars and Rebels and now with Mandalorian uh, has taken Mandalore and the Mandalorians and this epic story of Duchess Satine and Bo-Katan and the Darksaber and all of these things and has made it made it mainline Star Wars. Mm. Like this is what Star Wars is now. And none of this, look, this all started with Boba Fett flying around and then falling into the Sarlacc pit in his Mandalorian armor. And that was all we got. And now it is this yeah. entire history backstory. It's going to drive us into the future of Star Wars. Like I was so happy this morning. I can't even tell you. <laughs> all right, Shannon, uh, what are your feelings coming out of season one? Do you, uh, episode one, do you share uh, Michael's points of views about being super happy to have and having all this back or did it, was this a little bit of a kind of a disappointing start to, to season three? I wouldn't call it a disappointment. I do wish that maybe they had released the first two episodes because we get to the end ah, and okay. it just kind of stops. Um, mm -hmm. That being said, I mean, this does feel like original trilogy Star Wars. I mean, you oh, see yeah. all, all of the Kowaki and monkey lizards hanging up in the tree. Right. You see how Navarro has changed. I mean, you get, you know, you get a run in with some space pirates. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like from the beginning, I, I had a smile on my face the whole time. Like, I like that they are incorporating even though I didn't love the sequel trilogy, I love that they're incorporating aspects of it in, mm. in, in a particularly beloved character. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a solid start. I wish we had gone just a little bit further. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a totally solid start. And, you know, you forget because, you know, we've been so into the last of us and how that those episodes are so epic and how this one just ends. I'm like, what? what time is it like i feel like it literally <laughs> just started um but yeah i mean i feel like i feel like this is a this is a good forecast for what we're going to get this season even if uh, i would have liked just a little bit more yeah i have to say i loved the first episode and it just kind of showed you how much star wars has expanded you know what i'm saying we had references to the original trilogy stuff references to the sequel trilogy stuff prequel trilogy stuff the clone wars rebels like there was so much involved here in just one episode and that tells you how much this universe has really been fleshed out by numerous creators over the decades here so we can get an episode like this that just kind of calmly references things calmly has things universes different aspects of different approaches to star wars slamming into themselves and we and being seamlessly woven into an episode i really enjoyed it and look it's nice to have din Djarin and grogu back again and there's no like i gotta deposit you here i gotta get rid of you here this is very much a companionship now uh stuff with if you haven't seen the book of boba fett i think it's essential to see those three episodes so you can understand why he's back why they're together and why their companionship now is very much solidified so much so that they're just a twosome going through this thing they're lone wolf and cub 100 percent now where it was kind of maybe in the first two seasons a little bit like well i've got a mission blah 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 now they're very much uh, solidified with each other. It's nice to see that. And it does feel like they've hit their stride here right off the bat in this first episode of understanding what they know the public wants and what they want to tell with this story. So I really, really enjoyed that um, overall. Yeah. And I like the way they handled things in terms of 
you know, certain characters not being there. So we'll, we'll get into it. But this one's directed by uh, Rick Framayawa and um, direct, uh, written by uh, um, uh, John Favreau here. Uh, Rick is also the one of the executive producers this season. So I think we're seeing a little bit of his influence here right off the bat in the first episode. So we're going to dive into it here. Um, and we open on Concordia with a young member of the cult. Oh, not cult. I'm sorry. The clan or cult, depending on your perspective here, taking his vows there with the Mandalore. The armor is there crafting Beskar armor, a helmet for him. We see the skull of the Mandalorian Mythosaur on the wall. There's also a lot of, a lot of Mandalorians here once she walks out of the cave. So maybe either their ranks are growing or Moff Gideon didn't kill as many as we had thought in the uh, previous seasons. We also see a banner outside with the insignia of Clan Vizsla, which is a prominent Mandalorian clan in Star Wars history. Uh, we're going through this ceremony here. Uh, we see Paz Vizsla is there as well. So certainly that's not done and over with between uh, uh, the uh, Din and him. Uh, then a vicious beast emerges from the depths of the water here, essentially like a prehistoric crocodile or alligator type of thing, starts, using, uh, starts eating these Mandalorians one by one, uh, and they do their best to fight them off, fight them off, but uh, they can't get the best of them. Uh, and we see all of them being overpowered here. Uh, is this a little bit of symbolism? I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it. But Dinjarin shows up and it's fancy new Naboo starfighter. Well, new is relative. For those of you who didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett, that's where he got the ship. Shoots that damn thing. Saves uh, everybody there. And uh, later we see him sitting down with the armor uh, talking. And uh, she's basically like, you know, it's cool that you saved us and all, but uh, you still took off your helmet. So you're no longer part of this clan. He is like, well, I'll do what it takes to get back in the clan in, the, in their good graces by bathing in the waters of the mines of Mandalore, which for those of you who are Purple Rain fans, you know that you gotta, you gotta, sometimes you got to get into the Lake Minnetonka here. doesn't hurt that Grogu uses his best puss in boots, eyes, and gurgles to convince the armorer to let Din go and uh, bathe himself in the waters of the mines of Mandalore. Also, it's interesting, they have a discussion about the destruction of Mandalore, which um, I was reading a couple of reviews here, say that it canonizes a legend's concept known as, quote, glassing. In the old extended universe, the Empire tended to conduct orbital bombardment of an, on an entire planet to render it uninhabitable, described as glassing because the heat and pressure of the turbo laser fire crystallized the surface. Din shows the armor, a crystallized shard, referencing the Empire's act of genocide, but suggests it has not been successful because the crystal is fused to the Mandalorian inscriptions. This should be impossible, suggesting Mandalore may be recoverable. So an interesting beginning here overall for this episode and having this glassing concept. By the way, shout out to Screen Rain, who I'm taking that from. This glassing concept now becoming canon once again, fleshing out the universe even more by bringing in stuff from the old extended universe. So we'll stop here and then we'll get to Navarro and then we'll end with the, the, the stuff with uh, Bo-Katan. So, Michael... Your thoughts here on this opening sequence here, what we got with all these Mandalorians, with the armor, with the new kid being inducted, their ranks seem to be growing, this beast, and then the conversation between the armor and Din. Um, well, question, do we know for sure that it's Concordia? Like, is that is that where they, like, do we know oh. that's where they are? I read that in a couple of reviews, so I'm just. I think it is. I mean, I think it is. Yeah. I don't, they never said it, so I didn't know for sure. But yeah, in Clone Wars, um, Mandalore, uh, Concordia is one of the yeah. moons of Mandalore, and that's where Death Watch was, which is kind of like the bad Mandalorians for the yes. Clone Wars. So, uh, and Death Watch ended up working with Darth Maul, and there was all this stuff. But a lot of people have surmised that the 
clan that Din Djarin is a part of is sort of the uh, evolution of Death Watch. And so if they are on Concordia, which it did look similar to the way it looked in Clone Wars, yeah, yeah. that that seems like a pretty big uh, indicator. And even seeing like the Clan Vizsla um, banners and everything, like it kind of feels like um, it kind of feels like that all is leading towards us kind of filling in some of the gaps between Clone Wars Animated and Mandalorian. Yeah. But all that being said, man, they open with a bang. Like, <laughs> they open with a bang. I think they sort of set you up to think that perhaps we were watching a flashback and that we saw, like, young Din Djarin. So that's kind of, And then you have that giant, you know, crocotortoise come out <laughs> of the water uh, and attack everybody. And, like, it is just them being like, guys, it's season three. We're one of the most popular shows on Disney+, Plus, and we got a budget. Um, <laughs> this did not look like it was on the volume. This oh. looked epic and outdoors and amazing. And I was even thinking, like, you know, in Mandalorian season one, when we do see some Mandalorians come down on their jetpacks, like, they looked cool. Yeah. But they didn't look like these Mandalorian. Like these guys shot off into the sky and you were like, oh, we are in it. Like this is some. So like opening up in this whole epic battle. Great. And then just to have that Naboo N1 Starfighter fly in. Man, I love that ship. And it's just such a great entrance for Mando. And then Grogu pops out and it's like we're back. Like it's like literally they were like, hey, what's up? You miss us? <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. Um. And then, yeah, look, I, I think that I'm just so jazzed about seeing all of this Mandalore stuff unfold in real life. So yeah. the entire conversation between um, Din and the Armorer about what he needs to do, about the fact that, like, nobody thinks that you can even go to Mandalore because it all has been sort of glassed by the Empire's bombardment yeah. and it's been through so much and that we're going to be kind of going back to all of this and picking up the pieces um, because again, and this is going to be probably throughout this season, I'll just keep referencing back, but like yeah. to go from seeing Mandalore in the Clone Wars when Duchess Satine, who's Bo-Katan's sister, uh, had kind of turned it into a pacifist, uh, planet and you mm -hmm. had all these giant domes where they lived because in their warrior past, they had already made the planet uninhabitable. And then to go to Rebels, where we sort of picked it up with the Empire sort of on Mandalore and Bo-Katan ultimately sort of trying to – getting the Darksaber and trying to, like, save everybody. Yeah. And now we're going to see what happened after the Purge. Like, they're just – Dave Filoni has been telling this story for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And if you are only a live-action Star Wars fan, you're kind of picking up on the tail end. So – I highly recommend going back and watching all of this, but yeah. So like kind of just setting up the season where we kind of left off in book of Boba Fett, yeah. which is, Hey, you got to go to Mandalore. You got to go chill in the water. Then maybe we'll let you back into our cult. You're yeah. like, okay, got it. I get what the season is. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. It's either a redemption quest or a separation quest. Uh, I think we're going to find out obviously as the season go goes along, but it's going to be very, very interesting. Which I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. I mean, you really, I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but like you have two very distinct things. You have Din Djarin on yeah. the outs with the armorer and his yes. clan, which is yeah. sort of probably tied back to Death Watch. And you kind of have Din Djarin on the outs with Bo-Katan, who represents sort of mainline Mandalore yeah. because she's still pissed about the Darksaber. So you've got two factions of Mandalore, uh, of Mandalorians that have sort of, their division has sort of ravaged Mandalore itself. And you have Din Djarin in the middle tied to both of them so 
think yeah. uh, think our buddy is going to be reuniting a bunch of people by the end of the season. Let's hope so. I mean, you know, it's tough when you have a planet full of alphas. It's real tough to, to navigate them. <laughs> uh, Shannon, your thoughts here on this opening all up until they uh, have the conversation here between Din and the armor. You know, I think they looked at uh, uh, the premiere of season two in that incredible sequence with the crate dragon. It's like, ah, what could, what could make this worse? Have it come out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was just that, that the whole sequence was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the idea that like, I wonder how long they've, they've been on this, been on this moon <laughs> because it's like, guys, did anybody look in the water? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe from now on with that, with our ceremonies, we don't do them on the beach <laughs> next to the ga- the gator turtle infested, you know, lake. Um, but the entire sequence was just a lot of fun. Um, I, I agree with Vogel, like seeing the, the, the Mandalorians take off into the air. I do bad. questions. I do question some of their tactics that they, they put a bunch of charges on the thing and it doesn't hurt it. And like, you know what, let's hit it with the cables. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like a, a poor sequence of, uh, poor sequence of battle choices. <laughs> um, but watching den come in i mean i was really surprised they went as gory <laughs> as they did yeah. even though they did do that with the crate dragon after he launches you know like i don't think they were photon torpedoes but it's a couple of, a couple of blaster shots that you see just the guts and the entrails go everywhere um you know a, a character that we or, or rather a performer that we don't talk a lot about is uh, emily swallow who yeah. plays yeah. the armorer um, and you know, we don't know a ton about the character. We know that she's sort of the de facto leader of, uh, children of the watch or the watch or whatever, whatever it's called. Um, but she is, she's such a, uh, again, we were talking about in the last of us, you know, acting, essentially acting with a mask on the way Bella Ramsey did that, just an incredible job, um, in that last episode, even at, even though she's wearing a mask. And, and I gotta say, I, I think Emily Swallow as well does a really, really great job. Like there is a stillness that you are still reading the emotions mm-hmm. so uh um emily is someone that i got to work with a few years ago and she is just one just a delightful person but also yeah. incredibly incredibly good um so yeah like even though the whole idea that they can't go back to the planet um and then you see dinjar and take out that that piece of uh you know material and put it down be like all right so we're doing this yeah. so yeah just a just a solid solid opening um even though i feel like maybe the the vizlas <laughs> need to work on their their uh, battle coordination <laughs> um yeah um wesley kimmel is the name of the actor who plays the young kid there ragnar is the guy's name so what role is that going to play it's going to be real interesting to see how that plays out. But I agree with you, um, uh, Shannon, with Emily Swallow. We, we Everyone falls all over themselves to love Pedro Pascal's work. And of course, it deserves all kinds of accolades here in The Mandalorian. But certainly, Emily Swallow has given it just as good of a performance in throughout the three seasons. And certainly here, her back and forth with Grogu, with Grogu was real interesting to explore because she's she does the look and she has the interaction with him without saying anything. And you can tell kind of just by the physical body movements what's going on there so just a real interesting performance and also with how she's speaking about everything as well so i thought that was uh great to see yeah i liked it i liked this opening I, it was so surprising i thought we were going to flashback to yeah to uh to uh din but it wasn't that we realized okay this are, these are all they're all here i love the opening and the, the, the whole slam creating the armor just seeing the badassery of all of that but then this phenomenally large scary creature you know that's about fourth or fifth on my list of 
scary things is crocodiles or gators. Uh, absolutely. I uh, just saw one, you know, uh, attack of 85 year old woman in Florida who was walking her dog. It was pretty scary to see that. So those things are nothing. And the fact that they had it roll like a gator or croc would <laughs> the death roll. Genius. The devil was genius. I was like, Oh, that's perfect. Uh, but you're right, Shannon. I mean, some of the tactics you have to question. So they're still kind of figuring out that they do attack together. They do have their strategy. You know what? You two, like, I like to see you get attacked by a giant croc tortoise and see you make informed decisions. Like when that shit happens, I'm trained. You just do do what you can do. You know, I was trained to do it for eight years, Mike. I didn't handle a crocator, baby. But no, I hear you. You're right. You're right. You're right. Johnny. We'll lose our shit running the cave. Johnny, I love you, but we all know what you're going to do if you see a (laughs) crocator. Yes, I will toss you in and run. Take him! <laughs> like like, fire! Fire! Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> you know, but great stuff here to open. And, and the conversation is very interesting, too, because I, I, I wasn't sure of the glassing concept and then doing some more research on it. I was like, oh, this is a fascinating thing to throw into Star Wars and have it now be a part of this and be a part of canon to explore that and have conversations about that further um fleshing out the empires if we haven't seen already enough of what the empire can do now we're adding even more within the canon that they've constructed here of what the empire can do in their um viciousness and how they impact these planets uh when they take them over or when they bomb them out um all right let's take a quick break uh we'll jump into everything going on navarro um right after this now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway for You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. There it is. There it is. I'd fight the crocodile. You cut it out. I'd fight the crocodile. You would. Fight everybody. You'd fight everybody to get away faster than the from the crocodile. Get out of here. Come on. Protect the people. All right. Anyway, Dim heads off to Navarro to reunite with Grief Karga, Carl Weathers, who is now the High Magistrate. And wants to make sure everybody knows he's the high magistrate. The high magistrate. That's what I'm saying, the high magistrate. <laughs> How about those robes? I haven't seen robes that good on Carl Weathers since the first Rocky movie. So it's great to see him walking around, <laughs> having those little droids carrying his, like almost like a wedding dress, carrying his train behind him is pretty awesome here. Um, the city is different. Navarro is different. It's more vibrant. There's trade going on. People are laughing and having fun. As you mentioned, uh, Shannon, the Kowakian monkey lizards are not in their cages like they were like in season one. They're hanging out in the trees, being cool with things. Uh, and we have a great, uh, you know, a great meeting between the both of them, Din and Grief, and Grief informs him about what's going on in the city. Also lets him know that Cara Dune got recruited by special forces and that uh, Moff Gideon is facing a new Republic war tribunal for his crimes. Yeah, like something's really going to happen to Moff Gideon. But later in his office, he tries to recruit Mando to be his marshal, uh, to take Cara Dune's place and to get he even offers mando huge tracts of land to settle on with uh, uh grogu so he can be uh essentially a father and son situation going on there but uh mando says he's got other priorities grogu we see grogu casually using the force to get some snacks here so certainly he's becoming more and more comfortable with that uh did wants to revive ig11 who we see there in statue form 
very nobly in the square there, which shows how far he's come, in my opinion, from his hatred of droids, him wanting to revive this droid because he wants the droid to help him go to the minds of Mandalore and kind of navigate everything there so uh, to uh, keep him away from danger. Uh, Grief eventually, uh, uh, he relents and lets him have IG-11. Uh, Mando puts him back together, turns him on, and he starts to try to kill Grogu because that was his last uh, command there before they had kind of changed him around. They eventually subdue it thanks to another droid there, and Grief takes Din and IG-11's parts to the Anzellans, to the Anzellans. And we have a very funny scene with them. They say they can't fix it without a memory unit, uh, which Din offers to get. Uh, but Grogu has other plans for the Anzellans, which is cute and funny, tries to grab them. Uh, I don't know if he's going to eat them or grab them, take them home. But uh, bad baby indeed. Uh, and Grief, we have this funny thing where Grief is translating initially for Mando because he didn't kind of understand what they're saying. But then Mando eventually gets it, but Grief keeps translating which I think is hilarious. And what you can do with a helmet look is just great uh, in this show for sure. Um, and uh, I'm going to assume that's Shirley Henderson who voiced Babu Frick in uh, in the in the uh, Rise of Skywalker. I think she's the one back to voice the Azellans, but very funny sequence with them for sure. You know, uh, bad memory, can't fix uh, all that kind of stuff going on. So Din's going to go get this memory unit. Later, some pirates show up led by a guy appropriately named Vane. Who is, who is of the Nikto species. There's also a Trandoshan, a Clotunian, a Mon Calamari, all there in his crew. After some back and forth about Grief's unsavory past, which he'd like everyone to forget, like most politicians nowadays, Vane tries to use uh, the Gorian Shard card, uh, saying his boss, uh, mentioning his boss, but none of that works on Grief. And then there's a standoff between the two of them, and bang, Grief gets the best of him, shoots the uh, weapon out of his hand, uh, but then the other guys want to get involved here, and Mando and Grief shoot them all, except for Vane, who runs away. Uh, but Din eventually heads off uh, to go and seek the help from Bo-Katan, um, and so we'll stop there. So that's pretty much what happens here all the way up until he leaves Navarro. So, Shannon, I go to you first. What do you think of the whole sequence uh, that happened here on Navarro? You know, more vibrant planet, the stuff with him and Grief, uh, the standoff, uh, but also the stuff with the Anzellans and IG-11 and all of this. What's your feeling about this entire sequence? Well, I mean, even though they do go to Navarro in season two, I mean, this this just felt like a coming home. And, and mm -hmm. a big part of that is that statue to, to IG-11. I yeah. mean, just seeing how how Navarro has um, has grown and has prospered. Like, you know, when we meet when we go to Navarro in season one, I mean, it is just mud roads and overcast yeah. and doesn't look welcoming at all. Now they've got trees. They've got the quacking monkey lizards hanging out in the trees. They're no longer being barbecued on a, over uh, over a flame on a spit. Um, but just that moment that you see Din kind of look kind of look at that statue of IG Eleven, um, you see that like you know he's he's looking at an old friend, mm -hmm. and like I did uh, not Yoda too, uh, Grogu too, Grogu looking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it says yeah. remember remember your old remember your old friend here, um, and. and I, I I took note of the uh, train carrying droids as well, John. I thought that was such that's such a fun little you know that's just a fun little production design uh, um, because I I cannot think that they wrote that in the script, but some production designers like you know it would be funny <laughs> like like he he's so highfalutin now he's got this this tape that's too long and he's got two droids carrying the ends of it yeah. um and you know you see that grief wants him back like look yeah. you know you don't have to 
if you've completed all your missions, come back. Like we've got a nice piece of land for you right here. You can hang up your blaster. And then the moment that the, the pirates show up, not only do we get the old, the old den back. Like I love as he's watching the conversation, he just kind of leans up against that tree. That's old like, Western you know, like, stuff for like sure. Like the old gunfighter. Yeah, just like, yeah. all right, let's see what happens here. But the moment that Vane suggests to uh, Grief Karga that like, oh, you've gone soft. Mm-hmm. Like this place, you know, you, you built this bar with money from my boss and now you turned it into a school. Like yeah. you seem, you seem, you seem soft old man. And the moment that Karga gets the gets the draw on him but doesn't kill him just chooses to shoot him in the hand um not only displays his the fact that he is still a good a good fighter but he's also like i'm not interested in killing you i'd you know i'm not going to get anything from killing you like i want you to spread the word like you don't come back here um so that was just a really really great great interplay between them them going to meet the i I did think it was a funny (laughs) the reason that maybe uh gina carano has been brought up in the interviews is the fact that they they had this line of dialogue in there was like yeah she's gone it's a big galaxy we're never gonna (laughs) see her again (laughs) um but then going to meet like the other uh, Anzellans, um, the design of that, it was very men in black to me. Oh, um, yeah. The fact yeah, that it's, that it's this tiny little, you know, this tiny little space, which to them is a giant workshop. And you see, you know, Den there, you know, s- sitting, you know, cross-legged. The whole interplay was just so, so funny. It's broke. It's broke. Broken. <laughs> um, really, really funny. Uh, was Grogu going to eat him? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's I've possible. Seen, I've seen him grab small creatures and eat them. So, <laughs> I mean, when they were talking about squeezing, I immediately got you know uh, uh, Lenny <laughs> from of mice and men. Oh, like, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna squeeze into it, but that whole bad baby line, like the whole the whole thing was just so so funny. And another great thing about the whole sequence is the the torso of IG Eleven. I mean, that's full on Terminator yeah. right there. Like the thing that just will not stop and, until it has completed its its mission, which in this case was killing killing Grogu. So yeah, the the whole sequence on Navarro was just it was it was just a lot of fun. And and I'd be curious because uh, that again looks like a lot of sets there. It looks like they didn't really they didn't really use the volume. Um, so I love the fact, like, even though the volume is incredible technology, the fact that they are leaning into the more practical elements, like it's, it's really fun to see. Yeah. It's a good mix of practical elements and, uh, uh, the volume, which I think worked really, really well for this episode. Mike, what do you think of what happened here on Navarro? And what do you think about Din wanting to revive IG-11? Is the, are there no other droids? I mean, he, is this, is this because he's the only one he trusts because of his past issue with droids? So he's like, I, I, this one I know I can work with. What do you think about all of that? Well, before we get to that, I, I think that I'm upset that you skipped the whales. Oh, we, no, we haven't gotten to the whales yet because we're not in space. He, he sees the whales when he goes to... I thought he uh, saw the whales when he Tan. left Concordia on the way to Navarro. Did he? Okay. I think right. so. Go ahead. Because by the time when they leave Navarro, they get attacked by pirates. Yeah, right. We haven't left Navarro though yet. Like the ending, I stopped right before we left Navarro. Shannon. But, but that takes place beforehand. It's it's the, the journey, the journey from Concordia to Navarro to, Navarro, to, to Navarro, Navarro. When they're going to Navarro, that's oh, where I'm they sorry. see. I thought it was from Navarro to So let's um, talk to about Calabria. space whales. No, no, sure. Let's talk about space whales. Um, because <laughs> this is 
The Pergils, if you will. The Pergils, yes. Um, yeah, so, like, if you're watching this and you never watch Rebels, you're probably like, what the fuck is going on? Um, mm-hmm. But, like, when they're going through hyperspace and Grogu is staring at those outlines, that's huge. And I'm sure it's going to tie in when we get to the Ahsoka series. Um, because Pergils are giant space whales that can travel through hyperspace um, that maybe even helped... Uh, people long ago discover hyperspace yeah um and they're a big part of rebels ezra bridger uses the whales to get rid of grand admiral thrawn who we know from season two of mandalorian uh ahsoka is still searching for thrawn so that she can find ezra we know Mm -hmm. ezra bridger's been cast in the ahsoka series so yeah this is like a giant it's it's an easter egg for star wars fans but bigger than that it's probably like a sign that this is another thing from the animated series that we're going to be diving into so i think it's definitely worth mentioning and also it just looked really cool um i think hyperspace is neat and we all love seeing like hyperspace in star wars but having grogu take a moment to sort of look in wonderment at hyperspace and then see that like it's just something we haven't really seen in star wars so i think again i think mandalorian does such a nice job of taking stuff that we know as part of the star wars canon but giving us something a little bit different giving us something we haven't seen in live action before giving us some new element to explore so i think it's definitely worth mentioning as far as navarro goes you know what i just checked it out on disney plus you're absolutely right mike we did see the space whales. i just want to clarify that you're correct on Fine, mm, fine. Mm, mm, carbon health <laughs> wins again baby <laughs> Jesus, right, anyway no go ahead um the thing that i, th- I mean uh the, the thing that i like about navarro a lot through season one two and now in season three is navarro really represents what's happening to the galaxy post the empire Mm, like yes. in 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 season one, the Empire was still tooling around Navarro a little bit. Like you you really saw the Empire's influence both in like how the Outer Rim had been sort of decimated and was kind of a no man's land, yeah. and just watching what has happened, what Grief Karga has done. You're seeing this place kind of grow and flourish. Yeah, and also I think worth mentioning, in addition to the fact that we very quickly moved on from Cara Dune. Um, <laughs> The fact that, you know, even when Din is like, why don't you request a marshal from the New Republic? And the Grief Karga doesn't want anything to do with the New Republic. Like, out yeah. on the Outer Rim, they're pretty far away from, like, the new government and the rise of everything. Um, and they're kind of doing their own thing, and they're happy to do their own thing. And so right. I think that's all really interesting as far as, like, the politics of a galaxy far, far away. And the thing that I thought was really interesting is uh, mentioning that Moff Gideon is going – uh, before a New Republic War Tribunal, because yeah. that is kind of a tie into what we know of the new trilogy. Um, yeah. Just that kind of the New Republic, for reasons that only J.J. Abrams can answer, decided to kind of let a lot of the Empire off the hook and go away and do their own thing and kind of let them go. Uh, so big chance that Moff Gideon is going to go before this war tribunal and get a slap on the wrist and yeah. come back to uh, to bother everybody again. So I think, you know, tying into those things is kind of fun. As far as IG-88 goes, I think it kind of does show how far Din has come in his dislike of droids, but it also shows how far he hasn't come. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he would rather take down the statue and rebuild the droid yeah. than just get yourself an astromech, man. Like, get yourself – there's a bunch of droids rolling around Navarro. He's like, no, no, I want this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And, yeah, just as far as uh, the um, – and then just the pirates were great because I love Star Wars pirates. Yeah. Like, like you got – you know, Star Wars, you got your Jedi. You got 
your bounty hunters, you got your space pirates, like you're good to go. So just kind of having a bunch of pirates tooling around and then just this new uh, this new pirate king. Uh, what's his name? Um, Gorian, Gorian Shard. Gorian Shard, which is just get... such a great Star Wars name. Yeah. Um, it's all just it's all just a lot of fun. So Navarro was just a just veritable Easter egg of Star Wars characters and droids and aliens that just made you feel back at home. Yeah, it was great to see the Purgle. So, uh, you know, I apologize for not bringing him up earlier, but yeah, uh, th- that was just made me smile. Like, oh, wow. So they're weaving in this some Rebel stuff here that's really interesting. Wasn't my favorite episode. I know a lot of people love that episode. It wasn't my favorite episode, but because I also think Space Whales and I think Star Trek uh, Six, that's what, you know, where so Star Trek Four. Space. Uh, 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 yeah, Star Trek Four. So we've seen the the combo of that in here in Star Wars. I thought it was a little weird to have it in Rebels, but you know it works for what it is. But seeing it the way and seeing Grogu's reaction to it, I think was great as well. Um, seeing how the wonder of it all to him as he's watching the uh, the space wheels, I think was really great. So amidst all the madness, there are still moments of beauty within the Star Wars universe that I think it was really nice to take a moment to see it through Grogu's eyes, which I thought was sweet. Um, did you want to say anything about the space whales, uh, Shannon? Cause I know you talked about the other stuff. No, those things were way more in, in Vogel's wheelhouse. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, the space whales. I, I couldn't remember what they were called, but I, yeah. someone had tweeted out like at minute 11 when blank pops up. Yeah. And, and for a second, I thought it was going to be Amy Sedaris. I'm like, God, oh, not in the first episode. Not Pelly Motto. <laughs> but so seeing the, seeing the silhouette of the Burgles, I was like, Hey, all right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, I will say this about stuff in Navarro. You know, grief is, it's cool, but grief is an interesting character because of course, you know, the fact that he wants to be called the high magistrate, that speaks to a certain level of insecurity that he needs to have people address him in a certain way, but also him wanting Mando to stay and be a, a marshal. He wasn't telling him to hang up his guns. He was just telling him to stop being a, a, a bounty hunter and come work for me keep your guns with you come work for me as my marshal so you know grief as cool as he is grief is always a per- is also a person who uses people for what he needs to get uh stuff done now is it nice that he's got a a vibrant society here a school he's turned the bar into a school all of that is nice but he's still grief car guys he shows you with those pirates so there's still some unsavory stuff because even Vane says you used to pay us to commit mayhem and murder and bloodshed in this bar so for you to act all sanctimonious is a little hypocritical so i like that they didn't live, let grief cargo off the hook 100 you know, you well can... that's interesting that you say that like i didn't i didn't think about this because he does say at the beginning hang up your blaster he right. buried he buried the lead a bounty hunter anymore i don't go to missions but well no but i'm saying he buried the lead yeah well fair <laughs> he, yeah, yeah he yeah. wanted din to be like hey yeah you can have this great place by the hot springs right. also we might need a exactly <laughs> yeah that's grief you know <laughs> feels like a producer oh yeah but also if you could you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah i like that it, 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 it gives him a much more three-dimensional approach to things rather than just being he's his friend uh, he's also any questions like i thought the last time i saw you you were supposed to deposit this creature now he's hanging out, spinning around in my chair. What's the deal here? So I like that he's a little bit of us. So this is the audience asking these questions, but also we're getting a little more of a fleshed out grief carga that could go either way. Uh, I mean, depending on the situation, if it's Mando or the existence of Navarro, I got a feeling he'll trade Mando for the like a like a Lando did with 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 on there on Cloud City. Dare I say it, Bespin? 
he traded him in. And so it could be interesting if that's something that comes up well, down the road. It's interesting that you bring that up because Grief Karga really is following in those Lando footsteps. Like Lando was a con man who kind of landed in Bespin and turned it into a thriving, yeah. yeah, like like Bespin was thriving until yeah. the Empire showed up. Uh, and he did indeed sell out his friends to kind of keep Bespin. Yeah. And so Grief Karga kind of coming in, having a little bit more of a checkered past, just like Lando did, but stepping into this role as leader that he does really well. I mean, like yeah. he, by any stretch, he has done a great job uh, being the magistrate and now the high magistrate of Navarro. But yeah, he's, uh, you're always just like, do I trust you 100%? Exactly. I don't quite know. Yeah. And I'd like to see those city council meetings with him. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead, Michelle. Well, no, I was going to say in the final final connection between the two, cape. Yeah. <laughs> Got to love a cape. Good point. Good point. Star Wars <laughs> capes. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump off Navarro and head to see Bo-Katan right after this. bum ba da da ba da 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 Da, 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 da. that's good i like it that's good um all right where are we leave off at here oh okay so uh let's see dan eventually heads off to seek help from bo katan uh but on his way he encounters vane again and the pirates here in their ships and he's like you think you can kill four of my buddies and get away with it not in my watch son uh he shoots all of them out of the sky in another asteroid belt um uh, space fight there that we've seen of course in numerous uh, movies in Star Wars, uh, and he does, but he doesn't kill Vane, who ends up leading him to Gorian Shard's ship, and we go, we see Gorian Shard, who is played by Nonzo Anozi, who's a British actor. You guys might have seen him in Game of Thrones and in Sweet Tooth recently. Really awesome actor. I've seen him in a million things. A fantastic British actor. Uh, he wants to shoot Mando out of the sky uh, and uh, tells the, them to point the guns at him. He's going to get him. Then Mando hits that uh, blaster thing that he turns into Fast and Furious. He hits the knocks, and he is out of there. It's in an overdrive and takes off. Uh, but you say Space Pirates, in my mind, goes to Hondo. Are we getting, who's probably retired on Batu somewhere, but are we getting a live-action Hondo coming in some way in this series? I would be over i would lose my mind if we if that happened so um anyway he lands on the planet kalevala i hope i'm saying that right uh homeworld with house crees and heads into bo katan's castle she is sitting on that throne like uh i have no fucks to give but i'm hot and sexy as hell queen sitting there and she ain't too happy to see him tells him that all her forces went away or bled away when she didn't come back with that thing on your hip there the dark saber uh she tells him she's like she says i don't want to help you or anything like that but i'll tell you where the fabled minds of mandel are even though i think you're in a cult and i think this stuff is bullshit it's all a myth um and she reveals that they lie uh, these minds of mandel alive beneath the civic center in the city of sundari which was once the capital city of mandalore uh which was featured in clone wars and then he walks out of the castle without her and we go to Black Frame. So, Michael, interesting stuff in space with asteroid belt fights. The Captain Gorian Shard there uh, showing up. And then the stuff with Bo-Katan. What are your thoughts as we end episode one of season three? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this pirate battle in the asteroid belt, again, just shows how much of a budget they got in season three. <laughs> um, like, we saw some space. We saw some pretty cool Good space point. stuff in season one. But this is 
on par with anything you've seen in Star Wars. And watching him zip around those asteroids yeah. in that Naboo fighter and take out those pirates one by one, and then just kind of coming around the asteroid and revealing Gorian Shard's giant ship. Like, this was this was just, this was Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and it felt great. And even like Gorian Shard, you know, it's always great. I, I love, you know, having like the Trandoshan and the Nikto and the Quarren as part of the pirates. But whenever you get like a brand new alien in Star Wars, mm. you're like, oh, all right, Adam, Adam to the list. And I don't know what Gorian Shard is, but he looks cool. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's just, it's a great character design. It's a lot of fun. And I'm sure we've not seen the last of Gorian Shard. No um, but yeah, you are right. Yes. Anytime you see space pirates, thanks to, uh, thanks to Clone Wars and Rebels <laughs> and Smugglers Run uh, at, uh, at Galaxy's Edge, um, Hondo is not far from the mine. So I would love it. Yeah. We know, look, based on, um, based on the timeline of theme park, of theme park attractions, Hondo is definitely around doing something so if yeah. he showed up in live action i would also be thrilled um but yeah so it was just it was just a ton of fun and it just has that sort of again not to say anything bad about andor because i can't say anything uh i i can i can only talk about how great andor was but yeah. the fun of like an alien space battle and just zipping around and like the giant, the pirate guy who's going to be like, I'm going to get you. And then like taking off to get away. Like Andor was dealing with such heavier stuff yeah. that you didn't always get a chance to be like, let's just zip around and have some fun. And Mando definitely scratches that itch a little bit more. Sure. Um, I love Bo-Katan. Oh my God. I love Bo-Katan Kryze. I've loved her throughout all of her appearances in Star Wars and kind of picking her up here is so awesome, but also just so tragic and sad, particularly if you'd have kind of watched her go from being a member of death watch to sort of fighting with a soak with like you her, working with Ahsoka to take down Darth Maul to yeah. seeing her in rebels, getting the dark saber from uh, Sabine. Like she just has gone on this journey and has just tried to do right ever since her sister was killed by Darth Maul and to see her here, just like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't get the dark saber. You have the dark saber. Everybody left. I literally have nothing. It's your fucking fault. <laughs> and you're part of a cult and fuck you and fuck them and fuck everybody. And nobody's cool. Like that's where she's at right now. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you come home to your significant other and she is sitting like this, it's over. Just it's, just start packing the bags and get the hell out of the house for sure. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and like I said earlier, you know, Din Djarin, and yeah. again, this is just like classic Star Wars, taking this person that was, you know, in Star Wars, it was Luke Skywalker. He was just a little, a little moisture farmer off on Tatooine. And Din Djarin was just a bounty hunter. Yeah. He was just a bounty hunter doing his thing. And he has stumbled into, um, you know, having basically raising this Jedi Mandalorian and having the Darksaber and the potential to unite all of Mandalore. Uh, and it's nothing that he wants. Like, this is not, he doesn't particularly want this responsibility, but he's got the Darksaber. And I just love how dismissive Bo-Katan was when she was like, you do it. Take that little sword, yeah. wave it around, and everybody will do whatever you say. Like, she is so bitter yeah. that she doesn't have that thing. Um, and just seeing what happens with her 
is going to be fascinating. So, you know, you've got, you've got Din in the middle. You've got the Armorer over here. You've got Bo-Katan over here. And you've got Din just being like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go chill in the waters of Mandalore and then let's all catch up and see what's going on. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then yeah, like I think that was like the final big Easter egg of the episode was her saying that the mines are beneath the civic center in Sundari, yeah. which, like I said, is where basically everything on Mandalore happened in Clone Wars. Mm. Like, so if you, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi kind of reuniting with Duchess Satine, uh, Darth Maul and Savage Opress kind of taking over, um, Darth Maul and Ahsoka having their epic battle, yeah, like cool. all of this happened in Sundari. So. You know, tune in in the next couple of weeks when he gets to the ruins of this city that we've seen uh, a bunch of times in Clone Wars. And you're going to have a bunch of geeks squealing at uh, in just pure Star Wars excitement. Yeah. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts uh, um, on this uh, section of the show here as we wrap up episode one of season three? Yeah, a, a uh, aster- battle around uh, an asteroid belt. Always a lot of fun getting to see um, not only is Din Djarin just a better pirate than these kind of, you know, pirate thugs. Yeah. Um, but also the superiority of his Din one Starcraft. Um, ha <laughs> um, But also how vain not entirely an idiot like he is oh no he's not (laughs) like he's he's just like let me let me get you in front of the giant ship and then you see all the gunners like everything and even den's just kind of like in any normal circumstance if i were in the razor crest we would be we would be you know sol right now right um also thought the design of gorian shard which again gorian like I, i love coming up with star wars names Gorian Shard is just a great the Pirate King Gorian Shard. What a great title and name. But also the design, like he looks like an evil Groot slash Swamp Thing, and his d- delivery was just a couple shades away from Bill Nye in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And I say, <laughs> and I say that with all with all love and compliments. I'm like that is a great. I love the fact that he is a literal pirate. He's got a cane. You see, he's got that limp. He's got kind of a weird. Uh, leafy beard I was like yeah. oh this is a this is a great character and then in the credits it surprised me that Nanzo Inazi was not in the main credits along with Katie Sackhoff because yeah. he he he's he's a big time actor yeah, he's a known and actor. just just the fact that they that they got him for this it's like okay yeah that character is absolutely coming back you don't get him oh, yeah. for for one scene and and write him off so knowing that these pirates are going to be on Din's tail as well um, you know, we can just think of like the the incredible um, action uh, potential yeah. of being on a crystallized planet uh, running from pirates who probably don't have a whole lot of care nor concern about what happens, um, not just for the uh, the den's well-being, but also their own not realize like, hey, maybe we shouldn't shoot crystallized ground. We're all going to we were all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought the space battle was just a lot, a lot of fun. Again, great original trilogy, Star Wars fun. And then getting to that castle and yeah. seeing the isolation that Bo-Katan is in. Um, the, the just, <laughs> to, to, to your point, what you already said, John, if you come home and see your partner seated like this, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and just... Time. 
just the fact that the, the the helmet is right there like she's ready to leap into action at right. any time but at the same time she is she is alone like she is by herself and to what Vogel was saying just the dismissiveness of it and how Din is not rattled by it like he's still able to kind of play this not really a mental game of chess like she's there's no strategy here she's just kind of like hey buddy this is this is the lay of the land nobody followed me because i don't have that and he's like okay what about the plans like nope they're they're wandering the galaxy right now as mercenaries you you want to be in charge wave that they'll follow you and then the whole thing about uh the the you know the 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 waters the living waters they're not magical and he goes okay but just a second ago you said the planet was cursed which is it um like i just love that interplay back and forth back and forth um so yeah that was just a really really well written scene and again my only ding on the episode is that it ended um i i just wanted that second episode i wanted to i wanted to get to a uh not a more satisfying point, but I think, you know, they 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 got me teased enough that the moment that they're kind of like, and you can see next week. It's like, ah, oh, well, F off. <laughs> it's worth waiting. It's a good F. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked the stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to add too much to what you guys said, but I will throw this in because uh, I, I agree with every point you guys made here. Gordian Shard, great name, great character. Love that he's going to be a part of him and Vane are definitely going to be coming back maybe more than once uh, in this season. Um, and it's a nice uh, new antagonist to throw in there that you maybe don't have to fear quite as much, but it's going to be nice to see how they throw a wrench in his plans when he's trying to do things that he's doing that are on a way higher plane uh, with the Mandalorian situation. He's between these two strong women, as you pointed out here, Mike, the armor and Bo-Katan. And how is he going to navigate that as he goes through this? And I agree with you, Shannon. He doesn't back down to Bo. He's not like, I'm sorry or anything. He's like, this is, you know, this is the deal. This is going to happen. And she's trying, she's doing those passive aggressive jabs. And he's like, yeah, I'm not taking a bait on any of that shit. I got to get going. Can you help me or not? And so I like that we get that back and forth. And this is what Bo-Katan has. She has as much as she feels she should lead and she wants to honor her sister and all that. She also has a bit of a passive aggressive, petty, whiny kind of side to her that it makes her an interesting character when she doesn't get what she wants sitting there brooding on a throne. That's not the way to handle this situation, but that's how she chooses to handle it. So we'll see a queen without a kingdom. You know, we'll see how she reacts to the situation down the road here in this season. And I'm looking forward to seeing Mo because more from Bo because I really enjoy Katie Sackhoff in the role, both for, uh, on camera and behind the mic. Just so good doing what she's doing. But I will throw this in here. Um, I looked up Shard in the Star Wars Wikipedia and the Shard are a species, a silicon based species. I'm not saying the Gorian Shard is this because I don't think it's canon but a silicon-based species that is native to the planet Orax. Uh, these, they, they were, um, shards on Orax lived in large clusters of crystals, which grew among the planet's many hot springs. These colonies consist of hundreds of thousands of individual shards, each connected in a group mind via the natural electromagnetic communication abilities. So you talk about Swamp Thing, you talk about hot springs, I start to make it, and he's green, just like they are in the Wikipedia of Shard. They're green, these shards, so... Could there be some connection to it? Maybe not, but just throwing it out there, if it does show itself, that there may be something here that they're bringing into Canada as well here as a new character, new species here in in, in the, the Mandalorian. So excited to see what that ends up being. Uh, all right, any uh, final... Oh, I want to say, say this one thing. Um, the philosophy stuff here, I really like. 
this beast showing up to disrupt a clan's ritual what does that mean is that a foreshadowing of the thing they're going to have to battle in order to maintain their clan the way they are who is the alligator the symbolism of that alligator down the road and also bo-katan and man and um uh, Din having this conversation. Oh, they won't follow me without the dark saber. But your stuff is myth. But for me, the saber is real. And so it's all about what you believe that, that has power. And you, as the people, give power to these symbols and whether you want to follow them or not. So I like that we're having, which is amongst all the great practical effects and people in costumes and all the and species and all those cool stuff battles the philosophical stuff the theological stuff that's going on here as an undercurrent i really enjoy and that is also peak star wars for me so i love seeing that um michael any final words on the episode uh i mean like the episode was great i agree with shannon that i wish it was longer i i kind of feel and i don't know this for sure but i kind of feel like the the budget and the special effects is the trade-off like for us to be able to see a show that looks like a star wars movie each week means that we're not getting an hour long episode Good like I, I think i think that there's probably a little bit of like how do we do this budgetarily i could be wrong and i'm sure you know disney's obviously ready to spend a ton of money on star wars and mandalorian to get people to watch disney plus but like i do think that there is a limit at some point and i think for us to be able to see what we're seeing weekly means we get a little bit less than we would like um but all that being said, like I'm I'm on board for the season. And I think, you know, what's great about this Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Andor, all of these things, like they fill in those gaps in the Star Wars timeline mm-hmm. um, that we kind of know what happens. And although we know that this takes place between Jedi and Force Awakens, a lot of this is territory that's unexplored. So yep. not only do I think there's something exciting about this, it's just like I think Mando, Grogu, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka Tano, like these are the characters that are going to be driving Star Wars into the future. Like Dave Filoni has somewhere he's going. He knows he knows what he wants to do, and he's the guy uh, that is going to get to decide in large part what the next generation of Star Wars is, um, and how much of that incorporates Rey and Finn and Poe and the First Order, and how much of that is going to be about Mandalore and these characters that he's creating, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Like this is everything we're seeing right now is exciting because this is this is the groundwork for the next generation of Star Wars fans. Yeah. I think there's a 10, 20 years down the road, you start looking at Dave Filoni at the same level that you look at George Lucas. It's very possible when you take the entire Star Wars in context and look at how much each has contributed to the overall franchise. Shannon, your final thoughts on this episode? I mean, uh, basically what I already said is I just, you know, I wanted I wanted more, but I had not considered the the budgetary aspect that we're going to give you more, but we also have to give you less Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, but to what you were saying, John, I, I don't normally subscribe to the uh, symbolism in, in film and TV. Um, just it's just, it, you know, that it, it doesn't it doesn't reach me on that <laughs> I level. I don't subscribe. It's <laughs> not my thing. <laughs> but what I will say, but what I will say, um, as you were specifically talking about that opening, how, you know, you have this clan or cult, depending yeah, on your point of view. Yeah, yeah. Um, that. To me, it's like, okay, what they're doing with 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 their people, what they're doing indoctrinating these kids, 
this is this is against the natural order and the thing that tries to come in and bust it up is something from nature yeah so you know that was the hey man hey for a guy (laughs) that doesn't truck in it you did a nice job there (laughs) it doesn't happen a lot (laughs) that was it for 2023 (laughs) i also think though that there's something really interesting in the fact of mandalore Mandalorians used to be a warrior speed, a war, a race of warriors. Right. That's like their, that's their history. But throughout all of Clone Wars, Duchess Satine kind of had turned Mandalore into pacifists, which is kind of what led Death Watch to the moon of Concordia to be like, fuck this pacifism. Yeah. We were warriors. That's who we are. And so there's always throughout everything that Filoni has done has been this, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Like what, what does that mean? And even through rebels where they were sort of all scattered into their clans and Sabine sort of reunited them and then gave the dark saber to Bo-Katan, it was like, well, now we're warriors and now we're going to follow this person. But clearly, even at that point, there was other clans that didn't follow and were more in the death watch. So I do think that kind of big picture, there is this kind of question that star Wars has never fully resolved, which is what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? Yeah. And Bo-Katan has one opinion of that, and the Armorer has one opinion of that, and in the middle of all of it, like I said, is Din Djarin, who has the thing that everyone will rally behind, and so ultimately, this guy, you know, even in, in this episode, he's talking to Grogu, and he's like, hey, being a Mandalorian doesn't just mean being a fighter. Right. Being a Mandalorian means this. Being a Mandalorian means this. And I kind of think that little sequence, as much as it's like, yay, cute, he's teaching Grogu. I think the question of what does it mean to be a Mandalorian is not just central to this season and not just central to the series, but kind of central to where Dave Filoni wants to go in a lot of ways, because that's been something that has been unresolved from the moment that he introduced uh, Bo-Katan and her sister. Yeah. And I think it's evolving within Din himself about what it is to be a Mandalorian uh, since he's been going through these adventures, which has been really fun to watch. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our spoiler review here for episode one, uh, the apostate here from uh, The Mandalorian season three. We appreciate you all hanging out with us, whether you're watching or listening to us very much. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter. It's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca says. Mikey. If you like talking crocodile tortoises, space whales, and uh, Kawikian monkeys, what are they called? Whatever. Salacious yeah. crumbs people. Uh, we yes. are going to be talking about all of it this is your place to geek out about star wars for the next several weeks and we are excited to do it with you and here's what you can do to help us continue to geek out uh you can hit that like button below subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page check out all the amazing content he's got there leave your comments below what did you think of this episode how does this stack up where do you think mando is going how adorable is grogu let us know below uh if you are listening to us on a podcast go ahead and leave us some stars leave us some comments helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us and as always the best thing you can do is retweet this video post it to your social send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies absolutely and one final note here i know some of you may be asking in the comments where's laura kelly where's laura kelly laura has decided to do the reviews for the jedi way so it'll be me and laura doing the review separately from the geek buddies that'll be up tomorrow her thoughts on on episode one here and that'll consistently stay 
through the Mandalorian until we go to Star Wars Celebration. Then she'll come back and do the finale. So that'll be the approach. So it'll be the three of us handling it. We may have a guest or two come on as we're doing the Mandalorian, but that's how it's going to be here on the Geek Buddy. So thank you all so much for that. So yeah, pay attention for that going forward. And shout out to Carbon Health, continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Head on over there for any of your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs at carbonhealth.com or download the app have a doc in your pocket all right y'all take care of yourselves be well and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or brand new spoiler review here from the geek buddies Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.